0: So we are back um, with Holy Woman, and we are going to be starting our first class on uh, the seven prophetesses. And tonight, we are going to be learning about Sarah and the Worlds of Chesed. So Sarah was not only one of the first matriarchs, the first of the matriarchs, she was also the first of the prophetesses. So what we're going to do is we're going to recap her life in two minutes or less, and then we will start to understand how she relates to this midah of Chesed because we have seven prophetesses and they each relate to a different media and we are going to get to each of them in the coming weeks. So join along and we are going to tell you the story of Sarah. So Sarah, she began her life, um, she was living with her husband, Avraham, who actually was her uncle, okay? Her brother was Lot and her husband was Avram, and they lived in a city called Orkastan. Now Orkastan is modern day Mesopotamia, which is Iraq. And while she was living there, they, together, discovered that there was one God, monotheism, and they began to convert the masses. And Sarah taught the women, and Avraham taught the men, and together they amassed a huge group of people who followed this idea that there was one God. You have to understand, up until then, most people were worshiping idols. And they built a big following, and they had a lot of people, and as they were getting older, Avraham at that point was 75 and Sarah was 65. They got a message from God, Lechlacha, Lecha, to pack your bags and head to the land that I will show you. And they packed up and part of the difficulty with packing and leaving was that Hashem told them that they're not allowed to take the people that they've converted to this idea of monotheism of one God. And that was very difficult for them and we'll discuss that. Um, and what happened was they packed up their bags And they left the land of Orkastim, and they went to the land that Hashem will show them, which was the land of Israel. And when they got there, it wasn't easy for them, and there was actually a hunger, and there was a drought, and they had to leave, and they ended up going to Egypt. And in Egypt, there's a very famous story where Sarah was taken into the palace of Paro because she was very beautiful, and Avraham lied, and Avraham said, she's my sister, because he was trying to save his own life. And Sarah was taken, and that night that she was with Paro, um, Paro was actually afflicted with leprosy, and Pyro's like, one second, who is this? What's going on here? Reaches out to Avram, and Avram's like, actually, that's my wife. Um, and he's like, why didn't you tell me to begin with? I would've have never have taken her. And then Paro realizes that Sarah and Avraham must be very incredible people, and he sends them off with lots of gold and silver, and he also sends along Hagar, who was Pyro's daughter, and says, better that she be a maidservant in your home than a princess in my home, because you must be very special people. So Hagar goes along with them, and they go back to the land of Israel. Sarah was actually taken by another king, Abimelech. She has a little history of that, but we're not going to get into that story now. And they are now in the land of Israel. And at this point, Hashem reveals himself, and he says that he is going to make Avraham a great nation, and he will have many children. And he actually also has a bris Hapsarim, which is a covenant, and he promises him that he will have many children. Meanwhile, Sarah is still barren, and she has no children. They're living in the land of Israel, and Sarah realizes that if she's to have a great nation, what is she going to do? So she actually offers Hagar to Abraham to have a child with him, and perhaps that will either in that marriage, she will have her own child, or maybe that child, she will raise him together, little handmaiden's tale story over here, and they will raise that child, and that will be the future of the Jewish people. She does that. It doesn't end up working out. Hagar gets sent out of the home. Hagar comes back. Hagar has a child. Sarah has a child. And then they don't get along. And then Sarah eventually drives Hagar and Yishmael out of the house. Now, if Sarah, who comes from this world of chesed and teaches us so much chesed, how could it be that Sarah sends somebody away with no food, no money, nothing? And Abraham and Sarah, believe me, they were very wealthy. And they could have easily sent. But they didn't. So how can it be that Sarah, who comes from this world of chesed, who is chesed, who personifies chesed, do something that's so un like So in order to understand this, we're going to go way back, way back to the beginning of times, to the creation of Adam and Chava. When Hashem first created the world, He created the world in seven days, sixties, days, and on the seventh day He rested. And he told Adam that you can eat from all of the trees, however, there's one tree that you cannot eat from, and that is the tree of good and evil, the tree of knowledge. And therefore, you should tell your wife, Chava, that nobody's allowed to eat from that tree. And he does, and he relays the message, and you know how things go, you tell one person, then you tell another person, and all of a sudden we have Chava eating from the tree, with the help of the Nachash, the snake, and then telling Adam that he should also eat from the tree, and now we are in big trouble. So what happens here now, there are several things, that consequences, that happened after eating from the tree, but one of the big consequences that we're going to discuss now is that since the sin, good and evil have become intertwined. There's no such thing as just good, and there's no such thing as just evil. Evil and good are meshed together. And our role here, what we're supposed to be doing, is we're supposed to be pulling out the good from the evil and sifting through the good and pulling out the evil. We need to do this avodah. This is our job to find the good within the bad and to find the bad within the good and ultimately lead to perfect perfection. So I'll give you an example. In the Torah, it says that you're not allowed to marry anybody from the, from the, from the family of Moab. We're not allowed to marry anybody Moab. However, we know very famously that Ruth, Ruth, the mother and the great-grandmother of Davran Melech, who will eventually bring Mashiach, comes from Moab. So our job is to sift through the evil and find the good and pull out the good. And that's what we do eventually within the country and the nation of Moab. So too, we, me and you, are going to spend our lives doing that, finding the good within the evil, and perfecting it. So what we are going to do it's try to understand the world after Adam and Chava and how we continue to do it. Now, there are many people who try to do it. The world stands on three things. Torah, Avoda, and Gemilas Chasadim. And there were people who to, tried to hold the world up. For example, Noah, right? He was a lone guy who everybody was doing idol worship, right? And to the point where there was no Torah, Avoda, and Gemil's Chasadim, and the world was actually destroyed during his times. So Noah, he himself, he tried to build a world of chesed. He built an ark, and he had all the animals in there, and 24-7 he was doing chesed. Then we have Shem, who was Noah's son, Shem the Eber, and he actually had a yeshiva, where he had learning, and he had Torah. So he was trying to build up that world of Torah and avoda. However, up until the time of Avraham and Sarah, we do not have this ultimate perfection, up until their time. And what's different about Avraham and Sarah is that they were tested with 10 usyonos. They had 10 tests. And through those 10 tests, they were able to rectify the sin of Adam and Chava and be the first matriarch and patriarch for the rest of the Jewish people. So let's try to understand how they first protected Torah, first um, rectified Torah. So it goes like this. They were the first ones to discover that there was a Hashem in this world, okay? They were the first ones to realize that there was monotheism. And what happened was, when they did that, they converted the masses, like I mentioned. Converting the masses was actually teaching them Torah. And when they were asked to leave, and they were told that they need to go, lech lecha, right, pack your bags, head to a different country, go to the land where I'll show you, they were told that they were not allowed to take those people that they brought to Torah. Now that's very difficult, because if you teach people Torah, right, if you teach them, they become your students, they become your chavrusas, they become your family. Right, You bring them to your home. You teach them their ways. And when they were told that they were not allowed to bring them along, that was like, then for what? What was this for? This was for naught, Hashem. And Hashem says, I want you to listen just because I told you. I told you to leave and tell them to stay behind. You listening to me and not thinking like, oh, I'm doing it for the sake of Torah. You yourselves are rectifying the sin of Adam and Chava, And you are bringing Torah into this world by you doing that. Which is so interesting because you would think, like, when you do something for the right reasons, that's it. But Hashem says, when you just listen to me, just because I told you so, that's the right thing. And by the way, we find that with the sin of Adam and Chava. Adam could have justified why he ate from the tree. He says, when I eat from the tree, I'm bringing bakhir into this world. I'm now making it more difficult and people could earn more mitzvahs, more schar, by me eating from the tree. But Hashem says, but I told you not to. And all I asked you was not to eat from the tree. However, you did it on your own because you thought it was the right thing. So here come Avram and Sarah, and they're told, leave them behind. And they do. And they are now building that pillar of Torah in this world. Now let's try to understand chesed. Okay? So we're going on to the next thing. The next project of building up this world was chesed. So now Sarah, like I said, she comes from this world of chesed. Her tent was open on four sides. She was constantly bringing people in. She was cooking. She was baking. She was bringing in even idol worshippers to her, her home. Her home was always open. She was like from this world where she was loving, kindness, constantly giving. Now she was asked, and she was, she was the one who actually brought Hagar into her home, and she then gives Hagar to her husband and then sends her out. So how is she doing this? What is she rectifying and what's going on here? So in order to understand this, we have to understand who Sarah was and where she came from and why this was so, was it easy or was it difficult for her? Sarah's promised for years that she's going to have children, and here she sees that she's not. So she actually looks up to Hashem and she's saying, Hashem, what do you want from me? And she realizes that she needs to do some of her heshtabos. She needs to do something, right? We all love to sit back and wait for our spouses to like, you know, bring us our best dinner, our favorite dinner, but we're kind of waiting. And then I'm like, should I tell them that I want this for dinner, should I not, right? Or people who are waiting for their husbands to come riding on a white horse, right? Or, you know, maybe they should just join the bachelor. You have to do your heshtabos. Sarah recognizes that this child is not going to come so quickly and so easily, so she has an idea. She says, why don't I take Hagar, okay, who is my maidservant? and perhaps through her, I will be able to build a nation. So if Hagar has a child, either we can we can raise the child together or maybe in that merit, I will have another child. But she thought this was a wonderful idea. And she approaches Avraham, and Avraham at first was not into it. He's like, I'm not sure this is the right thing. And she says, no, 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 I'm telling you, I, have, I believe that this is the right thing. And she sends Hagar. And Hagar immediately becomes pregnant. Now Sarah and Hagar's relationship was very, very special. She wasn't like those, you know, Amish wives out there who have, you know, the husbands who have a bunch of wives. She had a very close connection, sister-wise. She had a very close connection with Hagar to the point where she treated her on the same level. She would be greeted by people. People would come to her for brachos. People would come to her for blessings. She would sit on a chair. She was like a princess. People would come you know, ask her questions, ask her advice. And whenever they did come to greet her, she always invited them to come say hello to Huggar. She said, come meet my sister wife, meet my servant, meet Huggar. She's an incredible person also. I would love for you to meet her. And she treated her like a real mensch. And here she goes, Huggar gets pregnant right away. And she says, hmm, maybe I'm the righteous one after. After all, maybe it was supposed to be me. I bore this child. I'm going to be the mother of the Jewish people. This child is going to be the future of the Jewish people. That's it, I've made it in life. And she then begins to put down Sarah. She says, Sarah, married to Avram for 60 years and she doesn't have a child. And now I'm with him for one night and I'm already pregnant, it must be me. And Sarah was heartbroken. And not only was she heartbroken, she was actually concerned that it was going to be causing a chel Hashem, which is crazy. I mean, obviously on her level, this is what she felt. She felt that people are going to come to the home and see that she's mistreated. This is a chel Hashem. So she goes and tells Avram, and she says, this is not okay. And she actually afflicts Hagar to the point where she leaves the home. An angel then comes to Sarah and taps her on the shoulder and says, Sarah, it's time for you to go home. I want you to bear the affliction of Sarah, who is your master and I want you to be there and she does and she goes back home and she then has this child and it's very very frightening for Sarah because she sees her world unfolding she was supposed to be the mother of the Jewish people she was kind of promised from Hashem she heard it herself from the from the angels that came to visit and promised her that she's going to have a child and here she is and Huggers having a child and you know Shlomo HaMelef brings down that there are a few things that make the earth tremble that are so, so difficult for the world to bear. And one of them is when a maidservant actually becomes, the maidservant, or let's say the mistress, becomes the main wife in the home because it's something so, so terrible. So you can imagine how terrible Sarah was feeling. But time goes on and Sarah actually has her own child and his name is Yitzchak. And she laughed at it and therefore his name is Yitzchak, but that's for another story. And she names him Yitzchak, and they both start to grow up. And Yishmael is referred to in the Torah as a para-Adam. He was a very, very wild boy, and he committed the three cardinal sins. He committed murder, he committed adultery, and he worshipped idols. And he was a really bad influence. And Sarah goes, and she tells Avraham, you know, As much as I love these guys, it's time for them to go. He's being a negative influence on Yitzchak. We need him out of here. And Avraham was heartbroken. He's saying, this is my son. How could I have him leave? And you know what? Avraham says, let's let Hashem decide. And she says, no, I'm telling you, he needs to go. And Hashem actually tells Avraham, whatever Sarah says, heed her voice. Listen to Sarah. And from this we learn that Sarah was actually higher in prophecy, greater in prophecy than Avraham because she had the answers here. She knew what to do with the situation and she says drive them out. Now I want to ask a question. If Sarah comes from the world of Chesed, which one was more difficult for her? To bring Hagar into her home and have her marry her husband and have a child or to eventually at some point to send her away? You would say of course to marry Avraham because she loved Avraham. She's married for 60 years. They've been through so much to bring in another wife to send her out of the house. Ah, It's enough. Send her out. Maybe that's how me and you feel. But what we learn from this story is that actually sending Hagar out of the house went against everything that Sarah stood for, and that in itself was harder. And how did Sarah go and rectify this world of Gemilot chasadim? We understand already how they rectified the world of Torah. But how did they rectify this world of Gemilot chasadim? She pulled out the evil from the good. There was Avraham, who was essentially good. He was all chesed. But from Avraham and Hagar came something evil. She recognized that and she drew it out and she sent it out. That is what our purpose here on this earth is, to find the good within the evil, to find the evil within the good, draw it out and then perfect it. So she took Ishmal and Hagar and said, they need to go, they need to leave. And by doing that, which was against her nature, was actually perfecting this pillar of Gemilch chasadim, And I'm going to end off with the last pillar, which is the pillar of Avodah. So the story continues that Yitzchak grows up, and at the age of 37, Sarah and Abraham are tested once again with Akitas Yitzchak, where Yitzchak was to be brought up. Is one and only beloved son born to Sarah to be brought up as a sacrifice? And It's a very, very difficult topic to, for us to understand because we don't believe in sacrifices. But again, we'll save that for another time. But what happens is that he takes Avraham takes Yitzhak early in the morning, and he goes and he brings him up to the top of the mountain to Haran Maria, where the Beit Hamikdash is eventually going to stand. And Sarah did not know about this. Sarah knows that he left, but she didn't know where he went. And there's a very famous midrash that the Yetzirah, or the Malcham came keen to tell Sarah what was happening. And he knocked on the door and he said, Sarah, do you know where Avraham is? And she's like, no, I think they went out for a stroll. And he shows her a vision of Avraham on top of Hara Maria, holding, the, sitting there, bound Yetzirah, with a knife up there, ready to shaft her son. And it says at that moment that Sarah's heart, she just, it left her, and she passed on to the next world. And then what we can understand from here, this is something so crazy. Like, Sarah died from this situation? Was she scared? Did she not fully believe in Hashem? And when the Satan comes to Sarah to tell her about the Akedah, what ended up happening was that Sarah clung so much to Hashem. She herself was the offering. She was the akida. Sarah was perfect. Sarah was suitable to be an offering. Obviously, Sarah and Avraham, what we're showing is that they perfected life after the sin. They perfected the world of Torah and of Gemil's chasadim. And here comes a point where Sarah herself is perfecting Avodah. Sarah had an advantage, by the way, because she never worshipped idols. So she was considered perfect. Avraham was from the home of Terah where there was idol worship and everything like that. So what we see is that when Sarah realized that Av- that her son was going to be able to be brought up to Al-Qaeda, she realized that she hit that point, she realized that she got to the pinnacle of her achievements and it, you know what, it didn't end up happening because obviously we still have Yitzchak and Yitzchak got up and he built the Jewish nation but it says that his ashes remained on the altar it was still there, so what we see is that Sarah herself was the epitome of Avodah and she perfected it, so now the going of Avraham the readiness of Yitzchak and the happiness of Sarah, those three perfected good, right? Yitzchak was ready to go. He didn't, he, was, he didn't say anything to his father. Avram Abram got up early in the morning, right? By Avram Babokar. he got up early. And that Sarah was so happy to see that their her husband and her son were doing this, those three things perfected the good. And now, you have to understand, when we speak about the matriarchs and the patriarchs, the Avos and the Imos, we don't think that we'll ever be able to be like them, right? We have we hear these stories and like they're incredible. We try to follow to reach that level of perfection. But the path that we need to follow is to nullify ourselves before Hashem. Hashem says no, we listen. It's a difficult situation, we send them out of the home. Hashem told them to go bring up Yitzhakat and Akita, they follow his words and they all do a Lishma. Now all us, all of us, as a Jewish nation, we're all really trying to work on this. And eventually what we are here to do. When there's evil without good, we want the evil to be pull out all that good from the evil and perfect it, and the good then will become perfect, and then eventually you'll be able to bring Mashiach. So I want to thank you all for joining, and I hope you stay tuned for next week when we get to talk about Miriam and the concept of Gevura. So thank you so much. Have a great night.